Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, we're really excited that you're here today. Um, my name is Terry. I'm one of the pastors here. And I just want to, if you're visiting with us, just want to take a, a quick um, moment and uh, to say thank you to our church. Um, uh, for those of you that knew uh, about a week and a half ago or so, um, my father went to be with the Lord tragically and suddenly. And, uh, and so a lot of you, um, uh, for, for the last week and a half, phone calls, the texts, the emails, the cards. Um, I, I wish I had time to return all of them. Um, so I figured it'd be a lot easier for me to just say a heartfelt thank you. Um, if, if you ever wondered what it would be like um, to make sure that you're a part of uh, the body of Christ, in these moments uh, when you lose someone like that, um, you know what the body of Christ is because you feel the, the prayers, you feel the encouragement. And uh, if, if you don't know what it's like to be the church, um, I, I I'm excited about the message today because I think you'll hear a little bit about that. Uh, but uh, again, I just, from my heart to you, church, thank you. Thank you so much for um, all the prayers and, and encouragement over the last week. Now, with that said, um, we're trying to get through this message today. Um, because if you're visiting with us today, uh, we've been walking through the last probably six weeks or so, um, of a message that Jesus preached. You know, there's a lot of people, and I say this every week, there's a lot of people um, who are tired of church, um, the, the negative aspects of church, the judgmentalism, the, um, just the sacred cows, and all of these different things that are associated with church that people have a hard time with, the gossip and all that. Um, but there, I've never met someone outside of the church that isn't interested in what Jesus has to say. See, there's a lot of people who really value the teachings of Jesus. They just, for whatever reason, have become um, disenfranchised with church because of a lot of different reasons. So if you're here today and you gave up on church a long time ago, um, I'm excited for you because today um, we're actually sharing the message and the teachings of Jesus and what he has to say. And for the first six weeks, we've been talking about what it means to grow closer in our relationship with him and to one another. The first four weeks, it had to do with our heart. And the title of that message series was, It's Not You, It's Me. And now the message series we're in is, It's Not Me, It's You. It's because Jesus is saying, all right, now that you understand in your heart what you need to do to grow closer, now I want you to take these things and there's some action steps that I have for you. And a special thank you to Pastor Aaron last week for unpacking last week's beatitude, um, but we are about to jump in the next beatitude, and that's really what it is, the beatitudes, uh, the blessings of God. So if you have your Bibles or if you want to follow along on the screen, it's Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to begin in verse 9, tackling this next beatitude um, on what it means to be called a child of God. So if you have your Bibles or if you're following on the screen, here we go. Jesus said this, God blesses those who work for peace for they will be called the children of God. And you see that I've highlighted that word peace there. Um, a lot of individuals, when you hear the word peace, you begin to immediately think of um, peace as in war. And, and you, many of us, you hear a lot of different individuals, they say, we have to have peace, have peace, have peace, have peace. Um, that's not actually the peace. It's kind of the peace that Jesus is talking about, but it goes a lot deeper. Some of you, if you grew up in the 60s, you know of a whole different other kind of peace and peace symbols. And so what was Jesus really talking about when he says, blessed are those who work for 
peace. And so take a look at this first verse here. It says the top one, God blesses those who work for peace. He's talking specifically about two different aspects of the word peace. The first is we need to work on a constant basis every single day that we need to reconcile with our fellow man, our fellow brother, our fellow sister. So the first aspect of peace, if you're taking notes, is Jesus is saying, hey, every single day when you get up in your, in your life, that you should be working to grow closer in your relationship with one another. Husbands and wives, boyfriends and girlfriends, brothers and sisters, neighbor to neighbor. Jesus is saying, if you want a close relationship and you really want to understand what my vision for this world is, is that every day that you get up, if you just say, today, Lord, help me to reconcile with my coworker, with my friend, with my neighbor. If we would all do that, that we would have a special place to be able to work through. Let me illustrate this another way. Um, there, there is, uh, whenever I go driving, um, I, have, I have a special tool. You might not have this on your vehicle. It's called the SSD. If you've never heard of it, it's amazing. You need to go to the car dealership, um, look it up on your phone's SSD. It's, it's incredible at times. Some, there are some drawbacks to it, but it's amazing to be able to have. Because if you have it, this SSD will pinpoint every exact navigation for you. That when you have a place that you need to go, even if you think you know the right way, even if you think you know a shortcut, the SSD will trump that. And the SSD knows much better. See, the SSD stands for side seat driver. (laughs) Mine comes standard on my vehicle. And so when I'm in the car, and usually my wife, Jennifer, she ends up being the SSD. Uh, As we're driving, even though I think I'm going in the right direction, the SSD kicks in and lets me know right away, no, this is the way that we need to go. We were driving down to Market Commons probably about a year and a half, two years ago. And um, there was a store that we wanted to go to that was on 17. But I knew, and and, you know, some of us are navigationally challenged and some aren't, um, I'm pretty good with directions. And so I knew that the only way for us to get to this side road was to take the side streets. Because if we made a right at 17, 17, we were going to have to go all the way past the airport before we can turn around and come all the way back to get to the same place. And so as we're driving, I'm going straight in Market Commons area to cross over 17. And my side seat driver kicked in and said, Terry, you need to turn. And I, and I was like, no, 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 I need to go straight. No, 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 you need to turn. Now, I'll be honest with you. At this moment, this is what happened. I thought to myself, I know I'm right, but the SSD trumps everything. And so I thought to myself, I, I, I need to follow the directions. But I, I'll be honest, in my heart, I could see us driving all the way down. And I'll be honest, when we made the turn and we were going down, I just sat there with a little grin on my face because I knew exact moment where the SSD would understand that we had made a mistake. And I couldn't wait for that moment. It was like, I li- like everything went away. And at that moment, the only thing I cared about was seeing the SSD go... Oh, and then to hear the next words out of the SSD's mouth. And so we're driving, and sure enough, she goes, oh, there's no turn. I'm like, no, there isn't. (laughs) Now, let me be honest with you. It was fun, but I wasn't working for peace. I was working to be right. I couldn't wait. Well, the truth is, how many of us every single day When we wake up, Jesus says that you should work for peace. How many of us wake up every day and we work to fight to win? How many of us, our goal in our relationship is to always be right? How many of us, our goal is to manipulate the other person? 
And now you start getting into deeper. And those of you who don't know much about Christianity or Jesus, now you start to understand that Jesus has some amazing teachings to give us. Because could you imagine if all of us, we woke up every single day and if we actually followed what Jesus said and said, Terry, in your communication with your spouse, with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, uh, your parents, the goal is not to manipulate. The goal is not to be right. The goal is to reconcile that everything that comes out of your mouth in your heart should draw you closer together. I'll be honest, I knew in that moment that wasn't going to draw us closer together. It was just going to be entertaining for me. And Jesus says, no, that's not necessarily what I'm calling you to. Dennis Rainey wrote a book a long time ago called Preparation for Marriage. And my wife and I, we taught taught a premarital course for, for many years at my last church. And we used this resource. And one of the chapters in that book, I'll never forget, it's called Authentic Communication. And Rainey actually outlined four different modes of communication that we typically have for one another. I think I've shared this a long time ago here at our church, but I figured I would share it again because it illustrates this point. Jesus basically says, work for peace. But I think there are four different methods of communication that many of us, we shadow. So take a look at this. Randy says that some of us, we have a fight to win mentality where no matter what it is, is we want to be right. Now you have this mentality if you get defensive really easy. That the minute there's constructive criticism, right away there's justification or an excuse. Because if you really think about it, if, if our, Jesus says you should work to grow closer together, then our initial response should not be to put a wall up or get defensive or to make an excuse to make us right. It should be to listen and to be able to understand that both of us trust one another that we're going to grow closer together. The sad thing, there are some of us in here that have been in our communication, we fight to win with everything and we don't even realize it. If in a room people are afraid to share with you the truth, you fight to win. If you're a coworker and no one wants to be honest with you, you fight to win. If you're in marriage and you don't even talk to each other and you've been together for 20 years, it's probably because you fight to win and one spouse has given up hope. And Jesus says, you should work for peace. I shared this a few weeks ago. The number one divorce rate is among seniors, boomers. And the reason for that is when the kids have left home, it's the number one category of divorce now. It has trumped young people in divorce the percentages are higher. And the reason why is, is over the course of 20 or 25 years, you have a couple that have forgotten what it means to live with one another because they've been so focused on their kids. And then all of a sudden when it's them, they're not working for peace. They're fighting to win. And it ends in divorce. There's a second thing. Some of us yield. You know, you get in the car. Here's a silly illustration. I share it all the time. And you get in the car and all of a sudden one person says, hey, I feel like going to have Mexican food. And you're next to them and you have a yield mentality, which means, you know, I just want whatever they want. I want them to be happy. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what I want because at the end of the day, I just want them to be happy. And so I'm just going to go ahead and yield and I'm just going to go along with whatever they say. Now, some of you do that because it's part of your personality. Some of you do that out of fear. You know what? I don't want to fight today. And so I'm just going to yield. You know what, I, I just, you know, at the end of the day, this is going to cause an argument, so I'm just going to yield, and I'm just going to say, okay, that sounds good. And then you end up living a lie, and Jesus says, that's not drawing you closer to the person, that's actually making you angrier, and that's actually pushing you farther apart. And so for some of us, we need to say, you know what, I don't want Mexican, I want Italian. If you're Mexican or Italian, I'm just using an illustration, I love all people, just letting you know that. <laughs> There's a third version, and it's withdrawal. If you've ever been to the party and right away your initial reaction in communication is to shut down and to stop talking, you withdraw. It's you just compartmentalize and you don't want to deal with it. I know what withdrawal is. 
I know when I found out that news about my dad, I had so many individuals calling me, but I'll be honest with you, the last thing I wanted to talk about was my dad. I wanted to withdraw. I wanted to compartmentalize. I wanted to cocoon myself and be in a safe place because dealing with the rawness of that emotion was too difficult for me. Some of you, every day a communication with a spouse or every day a communication with a boyfriend or communication with a dad or a mom, you withdraw because the rawness of the communication is too difficult and so you run away. But isn't it amazing that that's what the enemy wants us to do? Because Jesus says the opposite. You should be raw enough with one another and you should be trusting of one another and you should not be fighting to win. You should not be yielding, but you should, as Rainey says, you should make peace, lovingly resolve. In our mode of communication, if both parties, whoever they are, are in it to lovingly say, I want to grow closer, then you shouldn't have to yield and you shouldn't have to withdraw, but you should actually engage. Now, some of you might say, well, Terry, I want to lovingly resolve. I want peace, but the other person. I don't remember Jesus saying, work for peace as long as the other person wants to. That's not what in Scripture says. I looked for it, trust me. It wasn't there. Jesus says, no matter what, even if the person, even if you think, even if you know, even, if, even, 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 you work for peace. You reconcile with one another. There's a second aspect of peace, but it goes much deeper because Jesus was not only talking about reconciling with man, but he was talking about reconciling with God. And what he was saying is every day of our life, yes, we should reconcile with one another. But could you imagine if all of us, we got up in the morning and we said, God, where am I at my relationship with you? And today, I want to say things, think things, emote things, act in such a way that I reconcile with you, that I grow closer with you, that I'm drawn closer to you. I bet we'd talk to him a lot more if we all got up in the morning and we thought that. We'd probably do things differently. Here's a question for all of us in the room, because I know it's a little heavy right now, and a lot of us are thinking to myself, gosh, I, you know, am I reconciling? Do I do that with my spouse? Do I, you know, I, do I do these things? Here's a question. Okay, if you're not reconciling, take a look at this. If you aren't working toward peace and reconciliation, what are you working for? That's the million-dollar question. We should just stop right now and ask that question, pray and say amen, because we're working for something. Every single person in this room watching online, you're all working for something. But the million-dollar question is, all right, if I'm not working to reconcile, if I'm not working for peace, what is it that I'm working for? We could spend six hours in here unpacking that for some of you. There are some of you husbands. You have to ask yourself the question, if I'm not reconciling with my spouse, what am I working for? What am I doing? And for some of you, that might be the action step of the day. You might walk out of here and your action step this week is to identify, God, I'm not working to get closer to you and I'm not working to get closer to my spouse or my coworker or my siblings. And so, God, the question for me is, if I'm not working to get closer to you, what am I working to get closer to? And if you can answer that, ooh, every day you're working towards something. The question is, what is it? What is it? Now, as part of the healing process for me, I need to talk about my dad. And so selflessly, yes, I'm going to talk about my dad. A long time ago, um, 
I remember coming home, I, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And, and I say that, and for some of you in the room or you're watching, you don't know the difference of that. Basically, I had a religion for a lot of years of my life. I had a religion of the family, and, um, but I never really owned my own faith. I never read the Bible, didn't really understand it. And when I went away to college, and I won't go into that story, but basically I was confronted um, with the fact that I really didn't have much faith. I really didn't understand my faith. I didn't know what I believed in. And so I began to read the Bible, and through reading the Bible and through praying and connecting with God and reconciling with God, um, I gave my life to Christ, and I basically said, God, I need a Savior, and I need you to come into my life. And that happened in college. And I remember coming home from college, and I loved my family, and it was just my dad at the time that was in the house. And I remember driving home from college, um, my first year of college, and I transferred to a college closer to my house, and I was going to live with my dad. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I love my dad more than anything, but I don't know if he has faith. I don't even know, and he didn't go to church. He, he really was not very religious, so to speak. And so um, I don't even think that my dad knows what a relationship with Christ looks like. So one of the goals for me coming home was to share what God had done in my life with my dad in the hopes that my dad would understand what it meant to have a relationship with God. So I never forget my dad. He was a Marine. If you didn't know my dad, he was a Marine, um, tough. We were laughing as a family last week. We were all around the table. And I asked this question. I said, dad was 87 years old when he passed away, but he had arms like Popeye. And I asked the table, I said, how many of you think if, 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 if we had a fight with dad and we couldn't run away from him because he couldn't catch us, would we win? And every single person around the table said, we'd lose. Even at 87 years old, my dad was tough. He was Italian, tough Marine. So you can imagine that. Now that I got that picture in your head, I come home, and my dad loved to take rides. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm praying, all right, God, I want to share, I want to share, I want my dad's attention. And all of a sudden, he, he, one night, we were sitting there, I'll never forget, and he goes, hey, you want to take a ride? And my dad loved to take us on rides. We hated it because we didn't know where we were going, and we'd be in the car forever. Um, but my dad says, will you take a ride? And I go, yeah, Dad, I'll take a ride. So I knew in this moment I'm going to share what it means to really have a relationship with Christ. So we got in the car, and it was about 10 blocks to get to the gas station because my dad wanted to go get gas. And for 10 blocks, I poured my heart out, told my dad how much I loved him, told him that, you know, Dad, the truth is, is when we all die, we're going to go to one or two places. That's the truth. And when you're confronted with death like I've been the last week and a half, it becomes real. Okay, we're going to die. And when that happens, what's going to happen? Well, if you read the Bible, you understand there's two places. There's heaven and there's hell. There's no in-between. Not in scripture, if you read scripture. And so what's going to happen to us? So I was sharing with my dad, and I was telling my dad all about it, and I shared my heart passionately. I don't remember what I said. I probably butchered it. But at the end of the day, I poured my heart out. And I'll never forget when we parked the car at the gas station. Here as an 18-year-old kid passionately sharing with his dad, here's what I was hoping. I was hoping my dad would look at me and understand the gravity of the moment, the heart of the moment. But instead, he looked at me, and he said, you're, and I can't repeat the word, blanking, nuts. And he got out of the car, slammed the door. I remember sitting in the car, shocked that my dad would take that moment and turn it into that. All my security went out. The walls went up. And I remember, I need to pray for my dad. We never spoke of that car ride. We were silent all the way home. And we never spoke of that moment for 16 years, and I'll share with you what happened in just a moment. But the truth is, is I was in there to reconcile my dad's relationship with God. 
And in that moment, in that communication with me, my dad put up a wall between he and I. How many of us every day we say things that we would regret? And that might just be Jesus saying to you, you need to reconcile. Whatever it is, you need to reconcile. And Jesus says the reason we need to reconcile, the reason why you need to work for peace is very simple. Because we will be called the children of God. Now, right off the bat, when I looked at that, I I asked myself the question, well, what does it mean to be a child of God? And for those Christians in the room, you know what that means. It's okay. I'm a Christian. To be a child of God means that I will spend eternity with my father, that I will be in heaven. But do you realize there's much more to being a child of God? I have a son. There are so many fun things to being a dad. And for my son, I think, my word's not his, for him to be my son. Because we get to do all kinds of fun things. We get to have amazing moments. And so I started to think about what it means. Is there a way, place in Scripture, is there somewhere in the Bible where it talks about all the benefits of being a child of God? And you know that there actually is. There's a book called Romans, chapter 8, and verse 14 through 17, that actually articulates all the blessings that if you're a child of God, if you have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, you're a child of God, where all the blessings and the benefits are listed. Tim Keller once wrote an article on this a long ago. It's an amazing article, but I jumped to this passage, and then I said, you know what? I wonder if I can pull out the benefits of being a child of God. So let me read this passage to you, and then we'll talk about what it means to be a child of God. Take a look at this. It says, Romans 8, 14, it says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. If you're taking notes, there are seven things that I'm going to pull from this that reminds us of the benefits that we have with God. And for some of you, some of you need to remember this on a daily basis because sometimes we feel as if God's turned his back on us, God doesn't really like us anymore. You have to remember these seven things every day that you live your life. The first thing, here's what God gives us. As a child of God, we have security. We cannot lose that relationship. Here's the great thing about a relationship with Christ. It has nothing to do with your actions. It has everything to do with the attitude and posture of your heart. I'm going to say that again. Being a child of God has nothing to do with your actions. It has everything to do with the attitude and posture of your heart. God cares about the attitude and the posture of your heart. And it's because of that reason all throughout Scripture that I can tell you, if at a time in your heart you said, Jesus, I want you as Lord and Savior. I want to be a child of God. Forgive me of my sin. If you've done that, you are a child of God today, tomorrow, and forever. You cannot lose that. Do you want to know why? If you're a parent in this room, you know why. I love my son, Connor. He's 10 years old. There are moments where I just want to hug him and kiss him and kiss him and kiss him and hug him and hug him and hug him because he's awesome. There are some days where I kid you not, his head spins around 14 times. And there are days that I just want to go, but he'll always be my son. He will always be my son. There is nothing he can do that will change the fact that he's my son. And there is a God in heaven that looks down at you who have said, I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and you will always be his son 
or his daughter. There is nothing you can do that will change that. So as a child of God, you have security in knowing that I will always be a son or a daughter of Christ. You have to remember that every day of your life. There's a second benefit that he gives. He gives authority, not slaves. Romans 8.15, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. We have power. Do you know what this means? You have to unpack this. This is, of all the ones, this was the one that was great. And this is as if Jesus is saying to all of us, look, as a child of God, look, I didn't make you my robots. I didn't make you my slaves. Yes, I have a purpose. And when you do my purpose, you're growing closer to me. But I want you to have free will. I want you to have a mind of your own. I want you to create. I want you to think. I want you to make decisions. I'm giving you the power and the power to make decisions over sin. I could force every single one of you, if I wanted to, to be robots and make all the right decisions. But that's not what I want. I want a child that loves me and chooses to love me and chooses to understand my promises. There are some of you in this room that have fallen prey to sin, habitual sin, every single day. And some of you, whether it be emotional, whether it be tied into action, some of you say, there's no hope. I can't get out of it. There's nothing that can happen. I'm hopeless. That is a lie from the enemy that he would love for you to live every day. Because the truth is you are not a slave. You have the power of God. In Philippians, it says, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength because he's my father and I have his power. And so if you're struggling with sin or if you're struggling with something and you say, there's no way that I can overcome it, that's a lie because you're a child of God and you have and can draw from his strength and his power and the power of this body. The last week and a half, when I said, I don't think I can, I drew from the strength of prayer from this church and from family members and I did. And that comes from the power of God. There's a third thing that I love and it's intimacy. Romans 8, 16 says, instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Do you know what the word Abba means? I love this. Abba means daddy. And the most amazing thing in scripture is he's not the, yes, he is the almighty, the magnificent, the creator of all things. Yes, he is that all-powerful God. But you know that he's also the God that loves to be called daddy. When was the last time you looked up to heaven and said, daddy, I need you? You have intimacy as a child of God. Don't you ever forget that the minute you think, I can't talk to God because he hates me. I can't talk to God because he's mad at me. That is a lie. How many of you have kids who think that they can't talk to you or come to you because they're so ashamed or they feel in such a way and you as a parent are saying, no, just come to me. I'd rather you come and talk to me. I'm here. Imagine how God looks at you sometimes when you look and say, oh, I can't come to God. He's so mad at me. I've done so many wrong things. That's what the enemy wants you to think. He is daddy. He's Abba. And he wants you to draw your arms around him. There's assurance. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. You know the assurance that I talk about? I preached a message months ago called the five-second rule. And I said that if you're a child of God, if you are a Christian, that in moments of decision, you can call on God to say, all right, Abba, Daddy, I don't know what to do in this decision. So what would you do? What does your scripture say? And in your heart, the Holy Spirit comes alongside of you and will give you wisdom to be able to make the wise choice. If you're a parent in this room and you ever take your newborn home that first night 
And already you're like, oh, it's so beautiful. Love is great. This is awesome. And it's okay. I'm tired because, you know, it's like 24-hour birthing and we're both exhausted and we need sleep. So, okay, I'm going to leave you in this little place and you go to sleep so we can go to sleep and we're going to get along just great. And do you remember that first night when their days and nights are mixed up and you leave them there and they go, wah, and they won't let you go to sleep and you need sleep and you get the Benadryl out? No, I'm just teasing you. Just, just kidding there. But here's the truth. Here's the assurance. All of a sudden, what do you do? You pick the phone up. Mom, what do I do? I got to get this kid to go to sleep. Mom, what do I do? You go to be assured. You go to get security. Well, here's the truth. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. He's your playbook. God, I don't know what to do in this moment, so how do I get through this? Well, let me go ahead, son, and let me tell you, and let me let the Holy Spirit guide you in this. If you're a child of God, oh, thank God in my life I have the Holy Spirit to tell me what to do. That's the assurance of God. One of the things that's wonderful, too, is you have an inheritance. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. You have a family name and you have wealth. In fact, God says that he's, Jesus says he's going ahead of you to prepare a place for you. Do you know that he's going in the streets of gold to prepare a mansion for you? Now, a mansion could be a lot of different sizes. So some of you are focused on resources. You're thinking, how big is your mansion? You need to get that off your head. Mine will have Cubs paraphernalia in it, Cubs photos, God's team. We know this. It's scriptural. Just decent. But you'll have an inheritance. You're a child of God. I mean, just, just think about that. A week and a half ago, yes, it hurt. Yes, it was tragic. Yes, I wish I could have said goodbye. But I know where he is. And I know I'll be able to say hello again. The last two are hand in hand with this. It says, but if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Do you know that being a son or a daughter means you're going to go through pain? That's associated with teaching you what is right. How many times my son, I have to force him to do the right thing and say, Connor, you need to go apologize. And you know what? I know for him it's embarrassing and it hurts and everything else, but that pain is good. It will grow character and integrity. God has that for us in our lives. There are things we're going to go through that are painful, but he says, my son, my daughter, if you do, you will grow. And last but not least, family likeness. Jesus Christ died on a cross for us. And he suffered. He didn't want to do that. He shouldn't have had to do that. He had to do that because of an apple. Some of you will get that later. But he didn't want that, and that wasn't God's plan. But because of an apple, it changed things. And because of it, in order to reconcile us, he had to go die on a cross so that we could be with him. And so every day that you live your life for him, you show individuals that you're a child of God. That's my dad. I look like my dad. I talk like my dad. I act like my dad. And because of it, we might agree to disagree, and I love you, but you might go through some pain. But you will be a child of God. Reconciliation is peace. Jesus said you need to work for peace, reconciliation between you and man and you and God. If you want to be a child of God, you need to be reconciled. I close with this. 16 years after that car ride with my dad, and for some of you, I know I've shared this story with you, so please forgive me for sharing again. 
I remember we went to go visit my dad. He lived in Ocala, Florida, and uh, my stepmom and my wife and I went, and we went to visit them, and my dad said, you want to take a ride with the whole family? And we said, yeah. So let's go to the mall. Okay. So we pull in the parking lot of the mall, and my stepmom and my wife, they open their car doors. I open mine, and they get out, and my dad says, hey, Tara, hang for one second. I said, okay. He said, you girls go on ahead. So my wife and my stepmom went into the mall, and there's me and my dad sitting in a parking lot together in a car. Awkward. But the Holy Spirit came alongside, and I knew, and I I promise you, I knew what was going to happen before it happened. And my dad looked at the steering wheel, and I'll never forget the way that he turned his head and looked at me because it was the first time that I think I'd ever seen my dad cry. With tears in his eyes, he said, there was a conversation I had with you years ago. And I interrupted him because I, I didn't want my strong dad to have to go through that emotion. And I said, Dad, I know, I know the conversation you're talking about. With tears in his eyes, he looked at me and he said, I'm sorry. Isn't it amazing as little as my dad really understood about the Bible, he embodied in that moment peace. He reconciled. I got to tell you, that would have been enough for me to hear my dad say, I'm sorry. My dad never says, I'm sorry. He's always right. But the next words out of his mouth, I couldn't believe it. He said, Tara, I've watched you and I've learned. And I've heard you say many times that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. He said, I want you to know that I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want you to know that I'm a Christian. My dad understood what it means to reconcile with man and God. And because of that, I was able to, at a funeral, even though there's tears, to stand and to encourage my family because we will see him again. But the question for us in this room is, are you reconciled with God? Are you reconciled with one another? Because if you want to be reconciled, you need to work for peace. God blesses those who work to reconcile with one another, to reconcile with him, for they will be called the children of God. There's no other way. And because of that promise and that truth, I love my Abba Father. I love my earthly father. I'm going to see him again. 
my prayer and his prayer is that you'll be able to be with us. But you have to be reconciled. Would you pray with me? Father, right now in this room, I just, all eyes closed and heads bowed. I have a question to ask all of you. And do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt today, whether you're watching online or in this room, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, because death happens in the blink of an eye, would you go to heaven? If that's your answer, then I would share with you that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're going to heaven. And so right now, in the privacy of your own heart, I just want to lead you in a prayer. It goes like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I have tried to do things my way, but right now, Lord, I need a Savior. I want to know that I know that I know that I'm going to go to heaven. So, Lord, right now, I ask for your forgiveness. Cast my sin as far as the east of the west. I receive you as Lord and Savior. I promise every day that I will try to live my life to be closer and reconciled with you. I will try to be reconciled with my brother, my sister, my spouse. Thank you that today, because I've prayed that prayer with my heart, I will spend eternity with you. And Father, Lord, right now in this room, I ask, Lord, that you would speak into the lives of everyone who has prayed that prayer and that you'd be glorified. In Christ's name. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.